0: Kristen, it's the Christmas season.
1: I love Christmas. I and love you know, Christmas so much. You know how much I love
0: Christmas. I know, and you love Christmas movies, and nothing nothing really says Christmas like the Afghanistan War. Oh, and, and
1: alcoholism.
0: Alcoholism and...
1: Bank corruption. Ba-
0: ba- financial crime, violence against the elderly. <laughs> I feel
1: that... I feel <laughs> that violence against... <laughs> you know what I do at Christmas time? I just find some elderly people and punch them. <laughs>
0: Well, you can. You can do that. You can do all these things with this week's Roundup of Christmas Movies. We've got Lone Survivor, August Osage County. Uh, that's a family film, technically.
1: <laughs> Invisible Woman. Invisible Let's Woman. Let's not forget about those extramarital affairs. <laughs> that's
0: right. 47 Ronin, Keanu Reeves in the, uh, the uh, uh, a remake of the Japanese legend about uh, samurai with no master. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as a, as a financial fraud.
1: Grudge match where we have two elderly boxers going there's, back to the ring to smack down. There's
0: your elder abuse, and then finally, the secret life of Walter Mitty about a man trapped in his own mind. So there you go. Christmas, not to be,
1: not to be confused with the diving bell and the butterfly. A very different <laughs> kind.
0: Of. Not, not to be confused. Not at all. All right, we're gonna we're gonna talk about these. We're going to arrange them roughly in order of sad to happy as best we can. <laughs>
1: But we might disagree on what constitutes sad and happy in this week's podcast. We anyway.
0: just might, Kristen. We just might. But nevertheless, this is our warm, happy-feeling Christmas podcast. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer here with some eggnog and some good cheer. And this is Movie Date
1: for the Holidays.
0: Merry Christmas, I Okay, Kristen, why don't we start out with the saddest. That would be Lone Survivor with Mark Wahlberg.
1: (laughs) I hate that Marky Mark is in a sad movie. (laughs) He should just be bringing joy to the world. He should be taking (laughs) off his shirt and saying things in a thick Boston accent and, I don't know, maybe playing basketball without a shirt on.
0: Well, instead, he is playing Marcus Luttrell, who was uh, one of the members of Operation Red Wings. It was a Navy SEAL Uh, mission to go into, I think, Kunar province in Afghanistan and target some uh, key Taliban leaders. Uh, The title, I think, tells you how things went. Let's hear a clip from Lone Survivor. Rules of engagement says we cannot touch them. I understand. And I don't care. I care about you. I care about you. I care about you. I care about you. They are unarmed prisoners.
1: Do you feel that Christmas spirit?
0: I feel it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> oh, what, did you, what did you think of this movie, Kristen?
1: I thought it was awful. I don't even know if I have much to say about it other than it seemed like a lot of machismo, yes. a lot of long, drawn-out violence, a lot of pointlessness. I didn't really ever understand the point of their mission, why they were there, why the fighting was going on so long, why are things so bloody. In the end, it just seemed like a lot of torture for nothing.
0: Yeah, I think all, all these guys, Taylor Kitsch, Emile Hirsch, um uh Mark Wahlberg and Ben Foster, all really good actors. Um well, I don't I don't know about Taylor Kitsch, but all pretty good actors. <laughs> and you don't get any sense of the, who they are as people. I mean, you, It's you, not
1: really about character, though. No, it's, it's, about, not. it's about soldiers, and soldiers aren't individual. Soldiers are a team. They have a brotherhood, a band of brothers, if you would.
0: Yes, I, yes. Um, I think they do say that, actually, in the film repeatedly. Yes, they sure
1: do. <laughs> yes, you got that.
0: <laughs> I have to admit, I was not crazy about this film. It's not a very good date. Um, and it's too bad, because I think the film has a good heart. I think what the film wants to tell you is, these guys were soldiers who sacrificed everything, you know, in this war. And it's important to remember, I agree, but the movie didn't tell me much about these people.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with you. A good message or having your heart in the right place is not the same as having a good story or a good movie. And unfortunately, bad, bad date for me. One of the worst movies this
0: year for me. Oh, well, I don't know if I'd say one of the worst, but wow, you really hated it. Okay. I
1: hated this movie you, so much. You
0: disliked that more than I did. Um, okay, let's move on to August Osage. County. Is that how you
1: pronounce that? I I'm, never wish. I always called it August Osage. Osage.
0: I'm only pronouncing it that way because Aziz Ansari, when he was uh, announcing the Golden Globes uh, nominations, made a big point of saying, and it, it got a laugh every time he would say, "August Osage County." So that's why I'm. That's why I'm saying it that way. I hope I'm correct. I'm just imitating him. Um, this is based on Tracy Letts's Pulitzer-winning play about. Uh, very dysfunctional family led by Violet Weston played by Meryl Streep Uh, her husband has just uh, gone missing shall we say played by Sam Shepard her entire family gathers together for dinner Uh, star-studded cast Julia Roberts, Benedict Cumberbatch Chris Cooper who am I forgetting anyway but uh, a a huge cast they all get together it's not the most uh, pleasant uh, loving family here's a clip howdy mom What's howdy about it? Look, catfish for lunch. I'm not hungry.
1: You didn't eat today, didn't eat anything yesterday. I'm not hungry. You're eating? No. Eat it. Mom, eat that catfish. Go to hell. Now, Rafer, I have seen this Broadway show.
0: Which I have not. I've only seen the film.
1: But I have not seen the film. Okay. And I, I'm just going to be very straight with everyone here. I did not like this play at all. You didn't? I, Tell I, I me why. I felt it was heavy-handed. It was melodramatic. I felt like it was hitting me over the head with a brick. Yes, you're dysfunctional. Yes, you're all miserable. Yes, nothing's good here. And um, I, I'll be honest, I don't really feel any loss that I missed all the screenings for this. But but am I wrong? Should I be seeing this movie?
0: No, it's horrible. <laughs> this is a, It's a horrible, horrible film. I'm going to go so far as to say this is the first... Truly bad film of Meryl Streep's career, and it's the first film I have seen where Meryl Streep herself is kind of bad. oh my gosh this this movie, just as you're saying, the writing is so bad it's just it's just it's profanity after profanity there's no subtext from the minute the movie starts until the minute it ends. People are just hurling insults at each other nonstop. It was just so exhausting and unconvincing. It was terrible. How did this play win? the Pulitzer. I have
1: no idea. I remember when I saw it, thinking that some of my friends liked it, some of my friends hated it. I have
0: friends who liked it.
1: Yeah, so do I. Friends who I think are very smart and who I respect. Yeah. But, yeah. They, but to me, it's so immature in a way. If I just yell a lot of profanities, it'll be edgy. It's exactly what it's like. so juvenile. Remember,
0: we were talking about this with The Counselor, uh, written by Cormac McCarthy, the exact same thing. Oh, the world is so ugly, and I'm going to prove it to you by having everyone scream and yell and say hurtful, insulting things to each other because that's emotional honesty. And it's it's not. It is a terrible, terrible date.
1: I'm so glad I missed it now. It's I'm the, so it's, glad.
0: It's one of the worst dates I have ever been on.
1: Wow. So let's not see that on Christmas. Let's listeners. not see that. <laughs> what about... The Invisible Woman, though, because The Invisible Woman has one of our favorite holiday themes, marital infidelity.
0: Infidelity. With, with a, a girl a, who's
1: a teenager when you're
0: 50-something, right? 40, 45. He was uh, Charles Dickens. Oh, that's who fine we're then, 45
1: about. and 18. That's totally <laughs> so okay fine. to have
0: an affair with an 18-year-old actress when you're a 45-year-old famous author. Uh, Ray Fiennes plays Charles Dickens. He also directed this film, and Felicity Jones plays... The actress Nellie Turnan. True story based on a novel, historical novel, novel, right, uh, by Claire Tomalin. Here's a clip. Nellie, it was a mistake. Did you send Catherine to me? Yes. She is the mother of your children. How could you be so cruel to her? And for
1: that, I shall always be grateful. But I do not love her. She comprehends nothing. She sees nothing. I thought if she saw you, then she would understand that
0: I have nothing with Her. her. I wanted her to see it. It? What is it? Charles.
1: What is it that we are? Rafer, let's talk about this.
0: Well, um, I'll say a couple things. I, I like I like Ray Fine a lot. And I, I really liked Felicity Jones in this movie. She is beautiful. And the camera just loves her in this movie. I mean, the, the close-ups on her, she's just gorgeous. And um, you can really, you know, you can kind of see in this movie. The movie does a very good job of showing you just why Charles Dickens fell for this woman.
1: Because she walks fast and has a tiny waist. <laughs> There's so many scenes of her walking fast and (laughs) focusing on her tiny waist. (laughs) Did you notice that? I did. Not. I'm walking <laughs> fast on the beach now. I'm walking fast through a field now.
0: I'm going. Oh, that's on that's right. A... <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's, I'm going forgot, on another
1: walk. Up the I forgot hill. about that. Look I at my about tiny that. waist.
0: <laughs> I saw. I saw this movie quite a while ago at the Hamptons Film Festival, and, I, and, I, and I'd forgotten that uh, that whole uh, that recurring thread of her walking on the beach. It was sort of a Freudian memory jogging thing.
1: Yeah. She also um, has hips. It's not just a small waist. Yes, yes, yes. She
0: does. Uh, <laughs> at any rate, she's she's uh, she's quite lovely, quite lovely to look at. It's a, it's a very beautiful looking film, very nicely photographed. Um, I think it's got a very solid script by uh, Abby Morgan, who wrote uh, Shame, a movie I didn't happen to like. but um, And I think Abby Morgan also wrote The Iron Lady, another movie I didn't happen to like. But I liked this movie. I thought it was good and solid, uh, good acting. It didn't kind of move me deeply, but I thought it was a good, solid date. How about you?
1: I thought... I thought it was a decent movie, much like you. I, okay. I, I'm not feeling so enthusiastic about this that I want to run through the streets screaming, please see this movie. Right. But I thought it was a good character study. Yeah. We get to see a side of Charles Dickens, which, um, lest we forget, before there were TMZ and the internet and the tabloids and Us Weekly, there were still major celebrities who were constantly inundated with attention. And yeah. And he was that guy. He was like a rock star. Yeah. What is it like when you're a high-profile rock star who's also seen as the voice of a generation that cares about poverty, that cares about social injustice. Mm-hmm. He was all of those things. And yet at the same time, he was also this guy who was not necessarily very nice to women, who yep. was very cocky, who constantly needed attention. Treated
0: his wife horribly for, Just um, for reasons that I've never been. I, I, and I'd read here and there little things about the way he treated his wife um, and this kind of uh, uh, inexplicable separation uh, that he went through with her he just he essentially just you know slammed the door on her and I just in casual reading i've never read any explanation for what what a person could have done to deserve that.
1: Oh, you know what she did to deserve it. What? She aged
0: <laughs> and gotten and got heavier than she was. In yes, the that's
1: right. She was no longer the wasp-waisted eighteen-year-old right. that Nellie uh, was. That's, that's
0: a. It's a very good point, Kristen. It's a very good point. But you thought it was an okay date. That I thought was it was an okay date. Yeah, okay date. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> well, you know. What more do you want? From a Charles Dickens <laughs> biopic. Uh, all right. So from uh, from that, let's move on to <laughs> kind of the opposite film, 47 Ronin with Keanu Reeves. Tell us about this one, Kristen.
1: Wow. This is based on the Japanese. Is it a legend? Is it a real story?
0: It's a, it's a legend with roots, with roots, in fact. Okay. I, I, 18th century, and actually not that long ago.
1: Oh, to us Americans, that's millions of years long ago. Long enough. Yeah, whatever. So we have Keanu Reeves, who is, as they say in the movie repeatedly, A half-breed boy, half-white, half-Japanese. He has no master, but he is taken in by the emperor of a certain kingdom in Japan. That emperor's daughter, of course, loves him. He loves her. And what he has to do in the story is not just prove himself and come forward to help save his kingdom. He has to do it by fighting a witch who's a shapeshifter, who can put people under spells, who can transform herself into a dragon, into a cat, into other creatures. Here's a clip. Rivers of blood and mountains of corpses will not stand in our way. Find your envy and hatred, and I will give you all you desire.
0: That's uh, Rinko Kikuchi as the witch. Never named. No name. Just the witch.
1: Yes. Uh nominee, Let's not forget.
0: For um, for, for that okay. awful movie Babel. Terrible movie. <laughs> uh, though I do like uh, Rinko Kikuchi. Um, yeah. Well, it's pretty good. Uh, pretty good Japanese cast in this movie. It's, I mean, Keanu Reeves is really the only sort of western quote unquote star uh, in this movie everyone else is 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 japanese hiroyuki sanada if i'm pronouncing his name right plays oishi who is the leader of the samurai he's actually really good i think kikuchi is really good there's a guy who the, the emperor that you were talking about who takes in keanu reeves' character um, played by min tanaka that guy's really good really really interesting to see all these japanese people in a hollywood film but i do feel like this movie feels like a, a kind of an unsteady attempt by Hollywood to cross the bridge between the Western box office and the overseas box office. Do you know what I mean?
1: I would not say unsteady. I would say collapsing bridge. <laughs> you know that interstate that collapsed in Minneapolis, that bridge a few years ago?
0: The Bay, the Bay Bridge after the earthquake of 89, that's oh, what you're saying? Oh,
1: yeah, all of that. All those bridges, you know. Okay.
0: But, okay, um, you say, collapsing. You say why? Why did what? What was what bugged you about it? Well. S- <laughs> <laughs> Just pick Just, just pick Hold one. Hold on, I have to pick one? Pick one. <laughs> 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 yeah. All
1: right, let, let's talk about one of my biggest pet peeves. I, I felt that so many of the Japanese actors spoke in what sounded like Tonto language to me, where it was kind of like heavily accented, kind of broken English. Yeah. And I felt like if they wanted to have a movie starring Keanu Reeves that is an action Hollywood movie, why not cast Asian Americans in this role then? Do you, yeah, do you know com- what I'm saying here? I, it's kind of like how I would feel. Remember Anna Karenina last year, which you and I both liked quite a yes, bit. Yes, I like that movie. But imagine if Anna Karenina, we decided we wanted the star power of Kira Knightley in it, but then we had the rest of the cast... All Russian people all speak, speaking in all broken speaking English, in the Russian accents in broken English, and meanwhile she's speaking in her British accent.
0: You pass me vodka. And <laughs> yeah, that didn't bug that didn't bug me. I guess just I think because the movie just appealed to the pulp fan in me, so I was willing to just go with the kind of the sort of faux Japaneseness of it all, the faux samurai samurai ness of the whole thing. I think what bugged me about the movie is that. Again, so this is a, this is a very famous Japanese tale and I feel like it's this is like a re, this is a really a, a a treasured story in Japanese culture so you can't mess with it too much. You can't put Keanu Reeves in the lead character. That would be sacrilege. So, you have to put Keanu Reeves in there as this ad, as this add-on. He's this kind of Cinderella add-on in the story. And so, now you've got sort of two parallel stories that are going next to each other that don't really actually have that much to do with each other, and it feels a little weird. There's a lot wrong with this movie. It's too bad. It could yeah. have been a lot of fun. It no, could have. But, but not a
1: good date in the end.
0: Not a good date. I agree. All uh, right. Um, but
1: you know what I want to hear about next? I have missed all the screenings for Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. And I, once again, what a great Christmas movie. I'm actually seeing it tomorrow on Christmas Is this year's Christmas movie for myself. Oh, good.
0: good. All right. So tell me about this. Well, you're going to see... Uh, Uh, This is a Martin Scorsese film, and so you're going to see Leonardo DiCaprio playing... Jordan Belfort, uh, who was a real-life uh, white-collar criminal in the late '80s, uh, '90s, um, who operated a, a boiler room, a pump-and-dump stock brokerage uh, on Long Island in Lake Success, Long Island. It was called Stratton Oakmont. Very fusty-sounding, sounds like a white-shoe law firm, but in fact, it was just a it was just a completely fraudulent enterprise. Jordan Belfort uh, made millions upon millions of dollars. He made uh, by the time he was 20, 26, he was making I think forty nine million dollars a year. And uh, this is in the you know, late 80s, early 90s. And he was famous for spending it basically on hookers and blow and also qualids. And he had a massive drug habit, massive hooker habit, spent lavishly, yacht, helicopter, mansion in Long Island, and it all came crashing down on him. So here's a clip. $26,000 for one dinner? No, no, no. Dad, we had client. We had five, the Pfizer clients. clients. Right. The porterhouse from Argentina. Mm-hmm. We had to buy champagne. And, and you go <laughs> ordered all the sides. Tell them about the sides. I ordered ordered. the
1: sides. So sides? Yeah. sides?
0: sides? $26,000 yeah. worth of sides? <laughs> what are these sides? They cure cancer? The sides did cure cancer. That's the problem. They were. They, that's why they were expensive. <laughs> Shut up. I think what this movie really wants to show you is two things. The the wild debauchery of Jordan Belfort and his cronies, including by the way Jonah Hill, who plays uh, his partner. I uh, love
1: that Jonah Hill.
0: And I got to tell you, Jonah Hill is one of the best things in this film. He's so good. He is hilarious and good. And he's he's if if I don't see a, if I don't see another Oscar nomination for him in this movie, I'm going to be very angry. He totally deserves one. But what you've mostly got is. A lot of partying, a lot of dancing, girls and wackiness in the office, and you know secretaries being banged on the desk by the Stratton Oakmont employees, and midget tossing, and and yeah, it's and it's it gets and I and I feel like a, it all just seems a little bit. I think I think they want it to feel very sort of decadent and Roman and wild, and it doesn't really. It feels more like circus. It feels more like Ringling Brothers circus to me. It doesn't feel that shocking to me, and B. It's a three-hour movie, and it goes on forever. These scenes go on well, forever. a lot
1: of movies we love this year were over two and a half hours long that we love, like American three, Hustle. Three.
0: Three. Uh, three hours long. <laughs> not, not 220. Not 220. 259. It's way, way, way too long. But, um, is,
1: but is the movie so long that it infringes on the deliciousness of the movie? Is it not delicious?
0: I don't think it's a great date. It's kind of an okay date, and my last point I'll make on this is I think this movie wants to be topical and relevant and say something about the financial crisis, but I don't think Jordan Belfort is that guy. He's, he's, not, the, he's not the problem. First of all, he was... Fifteen years ago, way before the financial crisis ever happened,
1: and we have a whole other framework in our minds for '80s
0: Wall Street corruption. Exactly, a whole
1: different ball of wax. It's a a Gordon Gecko,
0: right? It's a it's a Gordon Gecko model, and really, he's just a con man and a street kid and a criminal. The guys who sank the economy were well educated, well heeled bankers who did it all perfectly legally. I don't want to see Jordan Belfort get raked over the coals for it necessarily. I want to see those guys get raked over the coal. And I'm still waiting for that movie to come out. I have not seen a compelling version of that story yet. And, that, and so I feel like Wolf of Wall Street in some ways kind of misses the mark.
1: I'm starting to question my Christmas movie plans. Well,
0: it's three hours, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Map, mark, mark, that, mark, mark that time out. <laughs> All well, right.
1: What about Grudge Match? How All right. Well, Let's... Let, <laughs>
0: Tell tell us about Grudge Match, Christian.
1: I, I think we all know what Grudge Match is about. If you've seen the trailers, if you've seen any of the ads, we have De Niro, we have Stallone, two guys who are famous for their boxing movies. Stallone, obviously from Rocky, uh, De Niro from Raging Bull. In this movie, they're old rivals who fought a couple of times, and they were going to do a final third fight. The third fight never happened because Stallone called it off. That's over thirty years ago. Now. They're going to actually do that fight, and it's getting a lot of attention. They have sponsors. It's going to be broadcast nationally on pay-per-view. But can these two guys who are now somewhere between 65 and 75 really pull this off? Are they going to be able to also, at the same time, come to understand each other better as people? Because, you know, the grudge wasn't just about fighting. Maybe it was also about loving and other things. <laughs> so here's a clip.
0: Ah! Hey, what are you doing? I thought you wanted me to. Hit me. What are you doing? you gonna beat up the meat? That's not sanitary. No, we're just here to buy a little dinner. You don't have to punch everything. Well, here's my first question to you: how, how? What do you think of this premise?
1: I liked the premise of it, so I went in with an open mind. I really did. Okay. Did you go in with an open mind? I did.
0: I mean, I like I like Sylvester Stallone. I like some of the Rocky movies, not all. Um, I'm certainly a Raging Bull fan, um, and yeah, I thought it had. Some potential, uh, and it turned out to just squander it.
1: Yeah, you know what's. I think one of the problems was the tempo was off. It didn't have all the snappiness it Boy, should have. It
0: sure, it didn't. And,
1: you know, there are some really funny moments where they're promoting the fight that are funny, where they're skydiving, or they're making bad advertisements for local buffets. Or right, they're, you know, right. And there are these little funny moments that are very snappy. They try to bring in the snappy through some Alan Arkin being. You know Alan Arkin, a little bit of Kevin Hart being Kevin Hart, yeah, uh, who plays supporting roles in the movie. But it just drags quite a bit. There's this romance subplot that's in there with right. Kim Basinger, right? And sometimes it just feels so old and sad. It's
0: really, it's really sluggish, really flat-footed. And I think um, it it ha- about halfway through the movie. It turns into some kind of serious family drama where Robert De Niro has to reconnect with his estranged son, who seems like kind of a jerk to me. And, um, <laughs> and then he's going to try to take care. And, and Robert De Niro also is kind of a jerk. And Robert De Niro wants to prove that he's not a jerk by taking care of his grandson. And that turns into this, this whole kind of crazy heart disaster where, you know, he... <laughs> And then, and Did you then,
1: just call it a crazy heart disaster? Yeah, it's I
0: mean the, <laughs> that entire subplot is lifted directly from Crazy Heart, and and it and after a while you you just there there comes a point where we're getting toward the big fight where you think, wait a minute, what have I even been watching? Who whose story am I watching? What's the what are the, what does this family subplot have to do with Sylvester Stallone? This has nothing to do with their rivalry. I've stopped caring about Kim Basinger because she just keeps coming in, sort of doing nothing. Then they're going to get into the ring and fight, and I just completely stopped caring. I don't care who wins or who loses. There's there's nothing. I've got nothing invested in any of this anymore. And and as and as we were saying at, at the top of this podcast, it's not a pretty sight to see uh, a you know two sixty year old. I mean Robert De Niro I think is seventy. It's not a pretty sight to see these guys hitting each other in the head. It doesn't look good. They don't they don't look like they can take it and their bodies don't look like they're equipped for it. They they move slow, they punch slow, and it doesn't look thrilling. It looks worrisome. Do, <laughs> do, you, do, do you agree or not so much or what? It
1: worrisome, yes. And also I just I I also something else I want to point out, and this is gonna sound so petty, but I'm just gonna say it. The plastic surgery. No, that's on, that's
0: totally valid. It's so
1: petty, but it looks, and it looks
0: say. awful on everyone.
1: Yes. Oh, poor Sylvester Stallone's face. Poor Stallone face. His face
0: looks weird. Kim Basinger's face looks weird. I, Robert De Niro, if he has had work done, I, I have no idea. It's not. It's not evident. He looks. He looks. Pretty normal, yeah. Um, but I, no, I totally agree. It's 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 a little off. It's a little off putting yeah. d- to see in it's a movie. Hard to
1: watch that, so I, yeah, I have to
0: agree with you. Not a good date. Pretty bad date. Yeah. I thought. Pretty yeah. bad date.
1: It's a shame. But let's end on a date that might actually be a little bit better. A good way to end the holidays.
0: The Secret Life of Walter Mitty.
1: Oh my gosh, I think it might be it might be the well, most magical happy movie of the holiday season.
0: Kristen, give us give us the quick rundown of the secret life of Walter Mitty. This is this is based on a James Thurber story and and sort of based on the, the Danny Kay film from nineteen forty
1: seven. Yeah. So if you are familiar with the Thurber story, with the old Danny Kay movie, you'll know that Walter Mitty is just a normal guy whose life is not very exciting, kind of has man-in-the-gray-flannel-suit syndrome, he's got a wife who nags him a lot, doesn't really have a lot going on, but boy, in his life does he escape a lot. He goes off and he does great things. He has wonderful adventures. He has beautiful women. All of this is in his head. Right. Uh, In real life, we see that he never actually does any of that stuff. This movie, however, kind of departs from that old premise. We have Ben Stiller working at Life Magazine when it's on its last legs, when it's switching completely over from print to digital. He and all of his co-workers are being laid off. He happens to live in his head most of the time, but this situation with Life Magazine and a few other things in his life get him to thinking, maybe I'm not just going to have a secret life in my head, but I'm going to have a secret life in the world. Here's a clip.
0: The ice, Jace. She moves like a woman. I'm Walter. Mitty. Cheryl. Melhoff. Where have you been? Testing the limits of the human spirit. I'd like to climb your
1: hair, test that out. Oh, Ray for that look on your face. <laughs> that look on your face. I wish everybody through their headphones could could hear how you look right now.
0: I wish so too. And I wish so too, what, Kristen. How am
1: I going to describe this look on your face? Is is that love? Is 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 that jubilance? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's August, Osage County in the room. Yes, it is. He's about to unfurl a bunch of f words.
0: No, okay. Look, I happen to know. I happen to know, Kristen, because you and I have been doing some other radio appearances, and I happen to know that that you have touted this movie. Astoundingly, as a movie that is on your top ten, is that correct? That
1: is correct, and I it deserves that spot of the top ten.
0: I can't. I can't believe that you found this movie watchable, let alone put it on your top ten.
1: Hey, whatever. We were sitting next to each other during this movie. I heard you laugh a couple times.
0: There was a there were there was a moment or two. There was a moment or two where somebody would say something funny, which you would expect in the space of two hours from a film. <laughs> but I mean, this I this movie was so bad. This was such a bad movie. What did you like about this movie? I loved the spirit of it. I really loved the optimism of it. I
1: loved the idea... Of taking that old Walter Mitty story, which always made me sad, frankly.
0: The old it's a Walter, sad story. It's yeah, a, a, a tragic comic story, the, the original so Thurber story. You'll
1: never move out of your head. You'll never move into your dreams. You'll just dream them, and maybe dreams will be good enough for you. Right. But I really love that this is taking that story, which always kind of upset me, and turned it on its ear and said, no, we're going to make this a little bit more powerful. We're going to give some agency to our protagonist. We're going to show that life won't be perfect, there are problems. Even in the end, there are problems with his life. But, oh gosh, you can go out and try at least. And in the end, you're going to find yourself. I...
0: I think what's puzzling me is that everything you're saying about this movie just seems wrong to me. That that, that I think I think what you're giving me is a completely inaccurate description of what? Walter Mitty. What we were sitting who, watching the same movie. Who is this character that Ben Stiller is playing?
1: This movie. This movie. Can't gets... you tell in the very first scene they tell you because he's wearing a short sleeve shirt? Yes, that's buttoned down. Yes. with yes. a tie that tells you what kind of person he this, is in the this, beginning. This and this movie... then in the end, he's wearing high performance outerwear. This movie,
0: <laughs> this movie. This movie. This <laughs> <laughs> this movie is try- this movie is trying to do so many things, and it and it I just feel like it fails on every count. It gets everything wrong. Okay, so so Walter Mitty is a sad, enervated corporate drone at a meaningless job. But he's a photo handler at Life magazine, which happens to be a hugely important job. It's Life magazine. It's famous for its photos. Here comes the mean corporate guy, the mean corporate consultant played by Adam Scott. He's going to shut down Life magazine. And I think in the audience, we're supposed to say... No, Ben Stiller, fight for Life magazine. Keep it open. You can't keep Life magazine open. We already know it's gone. We already, there's nothing He's to root not for. He's not fighting for
1: the magazine. He's fighting for his life.
0: So now his well, job hello. to fight, to, so his, his is job important. is to find the photo, a lost photo negative to grace the final cover of Life magazine. Photo negative in 2013? A photo negative? He's traveling the globe trying to find a lost photo negative from the famous war correspondent Sean Penn. Sean O'Connell, the famous war correspondent. Perfectly
1: cast, by the way. Yeah.
0: Perfectly cast if Sean Penn were in a war drama. Sean Penn seems to be totally unaware that he's even in a comedy. He he plays this character with this, like...
1: He's in character. Enigmatic,
0: world-weary, sort of quasi-mystic. The whole premise of Walter Mitty, The Daydreams vanishes. The whole thing just stops about 20 minutes into the film. The love interest, Cheryl, uh, played by Kristen Wiig, vanishes, gone, disappears. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. She's nowhere in the film. For the middle third of the film, she's gone. No, she's in his heart. Oh,
1: God. And his fantasies. Here and here. Here's one that I remember you noticing. It It was that scene where we have Major Tom playing and you... Yeah, that...
0: That's okay. This would be my final point. This would be my final point. So at at work, people have a tendency to call Ben Stiller Major Tom because he zones out. Right, ground control to Major Tom. Hello. All right. Kind of funny. Cheryl Kristen Wiig's character says to him, "Don't listen to those guys. That that song's about courage and going into the unknown, which is just like." The most obvious misreading of a pop song that I've ever heard. Anyone who's ever heard that song knows that it is not about courage. It's about drug addiction, alienation, and death. It's about a guy losing contact with the world and floating off into infinity. You know that Nine Inch Nails song, Hurt? It's about, it's about looking on the bright side. <laughs> You know Velvet Underground's Heroin? <laughs> it's about making the most of every day. No, it's not. What is this movie trying to tell me? What is this movie talking about? I, th- this, I, I can't believe this is on your top ten. So good. Really?
1: <laughs> really? Where are you going to find your life? It's right there. Oh, it always boy. was. Oh, boy. It always was. Oh, and you boy, just, Kristen. You just had to reach out and grab it. Just take my hand. We'll go there. <laughs> it's so good. Good date.
0: You're just winding me up for Christmas. (laughs) God, where's that eggnog? (laughs) Give me that.
1: All right. Well, before we go off and get our eggnog, let's wrap up with trivia. Every week we ask a trivia question, and then we ask you to call in with an answer or write in with an answer. We randomly select one of your answers to be our winner what did we ask last week, Rafer?
0: Well, last week we were talking about uh, Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues. Uh, and Of course, Will Ferrell played Ron Burgundy, famous for his 1975-era uh, mustache. And so we got to thinking about other actors who were famous for their mustaches. Um, we picked one, and we played a clip from a film in which this famous actor actually did not have his mustache. And here was the movie. You're what? I'm gay. I came out. To whom? Ooh, to everyone. My folks, my boss, my dog. And here is the right answer. Hey, my friend Christian, this is Rafael. I am calling from Columbia, Maryland. And the answer for this week's movie trivia is one of my favorite movies. Ah! It is Tom Selleck from in and out My okay, favorite, one of my favorite movies. I'm so happy I got this one right. Uh, thanks.
1: Raphael, we love your enthusiasm. <laughs>
0: Raphael, so very great. excited about In and Out. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great movie. Yeah, but, uh, Kevin good...
1: Kline's great in it too. Yes. yes,
0: yes, good going, good going, Raphael. Thank you.
1: And for this week's trivia question, in honor of the holidays, right before we have some eggnog, Rafer, yes. we are going to play a clip of a holiday movie that was popular in the 1980s, and one of the stars of this movie appeared in one of the movies we discussed in today's podcast. So, here's the clip.
0: Hi. How about a quick Christmas pizza Capone's before I drop you home? Jack, I don't think I could eat three pizzas. You said anything about three? Well, I got two other offers.
1: Oh, here we go again. The Delilah of the Five and Dime. If you know the movie, and if you know the actor, give us a call at 5717 Movies
0: or you could log on to our website at facebook.com slash podcast.
1: And Rafer, for you, because you keep talking about David Bowie and all the <laughs> podcasts lately, here's a little Christmas song to go out on. I pray, I pray my wish, wish will come true I For my child, child and your I child too i will sing my day
0: Like See my the passport. day